0: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: Cavs get the win, and everything that I said yesterday about the Cavs and the seesaw, the emotional seesaw that happens from Nicholas. a Cavs win to a Cavs loss. It's nice that they got the got the dub. Uh, nope. Nope. It's nice. They're top four seed now, and that's no, the expectation. That,
2: that no, I'm happy about that. I'm just saying, like this little three str- uh, three game stretch is not like the end all be all here.
1: Well, you, you beat the Grizzlies, yeah. who had lost six or seven coming to that game. Okay, you beat the Pacers, who might be the ten seed. Pacers this year.
2: are a reeling, and you beat the Wizards without two of their best players.
1: Yes, and so that is not to discount. Wins. I'm not
2: discounting wins. I like to win. I want to be the four seed. But it is to I say.
1: Think. Let's get a good win, and they and I think Ken this morning went down the games they have throughout the rest of the month. It's a lot of games like you just saw.
2: A lot of games against teams that are kind of reeling or kind of in the middle. Yeah, which or near makes, the bottom.
1: And so I want to play what JB Bickerstaff said this morning. i sorry, said yesterday after the win. We're gonna to get to that in just a second. But there, listen, you won three straight. You erased the bad basketball that you played up against better basketball teams. Yep. But that's kind of where it stops. I I think I just I think for my sanity for my sanity, we need to realize that the Cavs can be a bit of a contradiction sometimes. Right? There're nights where they play harder. Like they played harder than than Memphis both games they played against Memphis. There's no team that plays harder in the NBA night after night than Memphis. Right. So, and by the way, they split those games. So, all right, then we we juxtapose that with when they play on the second half of back-to-back and they look completely out of it. They don't play with focus. They're not really playing. I don't want to say they're not playing hard, but they're not playing together. Like both iterations are the Cavs. So I thought it was funny when J.B. Bickerstaff, who remember the last time we had really paid any attention to what J.B. had said was when he did the, what was it? A four minute intro. It was like, it was press like a press
2: conference on a Thursday yes. or something. It we, was a, we played it. It was when he was getting criticized. It was it like was kind a state of, of the kind of union. Kind of like on the hot seat. It was and like he, a state of the union. Yeah, but it was a weird press conference because it was almost like he came out defending himself. Yes. In the team. Well, I And may- saying like, hey, you know, everyone's against us, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got these numbers. And he laid out all of these different categories of efficiencies where they're like number one or number two. And, and yeah, like statistically... They have had some success this year. Mm-hmm. But when you watch them on any given night, by the way, not the last three nights, because they've actually played really well yeah. in back to back to back games. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, outside of you know the games they played at home, where they're really good,
1: they've been really inconsistent. Yep. And so we had and it was a four minute kind of monologue by JB at the beginning of the press conference, and he took some heat for it and deservedly so. Now, that was after the Miami loss and before the Memphis win. I would like to point the one thing I will give last night, just before we get into the JB audio, the one thing I'll give them is that was the second half of back to back. And that game was a that game was over five minutes in the game. So even though and I, I don't, I'm I'm not trying to prop it up. What I am saying is even without Kuzma, even with without that Bradley line, Beal. Without Bradley Beal that is a game that could have been a lot closer, uh, probably was closer four weeks ago. So them getting a road win second half of back-to-back is nice. So it's nicer than just a win over Washington without their two best players. It's not, however, this nice by J.B. Bickerstaff.
3: You know, starting with that Miami game, you know, there was a different feel to our team. You can't always quantify it or put it into words, but there was just a spirit that was there. There was a purpose. There was an intensity. I think our guys get it now, and they know it's a long way to go. We got to continue it. But understanding, you know, what it means to be a good team, understanding what it means, you know, to be hunted. You know, those are things that we were learning, and I think our guys have a pretty good idea of that now.
1: You played the Pacers Wizards and the Grizzlies was a great win. It was even like they were full but they were they lo- they had played some bad basketball. Like yeah. Like oh, we learned what it means to be the hunted. Well, where was that when you're playing the Heat who who in a game that you should have won by the way. Like it wasn't a blowout. It was just a game that you could have won that you didn't do it. So like what's the difference? I to me, and I don't. I'm not trying to hammer JB. Last week, I hammered JB. I'm still concerned about the end of game stuff. But it, didn't it just feel like JB trying to take a victory lap? That that maybe it's just oddly premature. We're driving to the deadline, and he's like, "They've learned how to win now. It's okay."
2: Ever since the Miami game, we found a way. Like we found out how to play together.
1: It was four games ago. It just was like last week, like the NBA. Like, wasn't that like last Tuesday? The NBA. Like, we've criticized the Cavs for like the Jekyll and Hyde thing, but like, like twenty out of thirty teams, in the NBA are Jekyll and Hyde. Three, like Memphis, Memphis, who, all said and done, they might actually be able to make an NBA Finals with just John, the bunch they oh, have yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh, by the way, Memphis is still uh, four and a half games out of first place and in second place in the West. Memphis just went through one of the worst stretches of basketball. They've played with John Morant, And, w- like, they uh, they won their last game. I can't remember who they played. But I, I doubt that their tall Norwegian-looking head coach was like, guys, we really learned how to win playing up one individual NBA game. I, The conspiracy theorist part of Nick Wilson really thought, is JB taking this premature victory lap? on uh, we've really weren't uh, is it in response to him knowing that maybe the 4 minute state of the union press conference clip that we played maybe wasn't the best look is this cuz i think jb's really really smart i do really appreciate that jb gives us something um but jb will say what is on his mind but i also think jb like has used has used the media to communicate to his team, which I love because that's old school. I always felt like that four-minute press conference clip, I always felt like that was a little bit to his team. Like, look, they don't believe in us, that kind of thing. And this kind of feels like a, I'm going to take the heat off me oh, from yeah. externally by taking this victory lap.
2: Like this, this I don't know if it was a victory lap, but it was certainly something of that nature where he felt the heat a week ago. And now you win three straight, and things are looking up, right? And you can take a deep breath. And that's what he was doing
1: last night. I have no idea. And I, I don't mean this in a negative. I still don't know that I know who the Cavs are. I know what they do really, really well. They are a, a damn good uh, defensive team. And when they when the ball does flow, they can score with the best of them as well, although that's a pretty big if that last one we just put there. But I still don't know, like, I still don't know that when I watch them play, I know, all right, this is how they're going to win a series. Or I still don't know that they can win a series because the seesaw thing is real. And I need a just, and, and this is less about, oh, those games don't matter, which it can sound like when we say stuff like, well, you beat Memphis who was reeling, you beat the Pacers and... You beat the Wizards. Right? It's not that it's that we should devalue those wins. I think we're to the point with the Cavs. All right, I've seen the Seesaw for 55 games roughly. Yeah. Last 27, I, I need to see a little bit more consistency. I I need to see um those that same stretch of basketball. Give me that against Miami. Give me that against um I don't think the Knicks are that good, but give me that against the Knicks. Give me that against yeah. Uh, hell, give me a Boston or, or Milwaukee win in there as well. I think that's where I'm at. Okay, this is great, and it's really fun when we're on the positive side of the seesaw. It's not really any fun to have people overreact when it's not. But overall, now we're kind of where I'm, I'm ready to see. Not more, because that's that. They're, they're still who they are, but just a little more consistency. I'd like to find out at some point in the next uh, 27 games who the real Cavs are. Will the real Cavaliers please stand up? I believe that was part of a popular song one time. I'll believe it's that the turnaround is real from the Miami game, which is what JB Bickerstaff sold us early in his press conference last night. That's that's when I'll say, all right, these are the real Cavs. We're gearing up for the playoffs. I'm all in, and let's start really, let's let's start really having the conversation about how good the the Cavs can be and how far they can go. Yeah, I'm with you on that.
2: I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next month. Um, obviously the all-star breaks in there as well, but like, you mentioned some of the teams that they're playing, right? I mean, they got Detroit, New Orleans, Chicago, San Antonio, Philadelphia, Den- Denver's gonna be tough. That's at home though. Um, it's just a bunch, I mean, it's just a bunch
1: of teams that are all beatable. And this feels like, you know, I, I tend to think of the first three months of the season uh, for any young team. That's your time to make hay because the second half of the season going to be hell for you. As you as you learn to adapt to the second half basketball and how things tighten up, yeah. With like every every couple of weeks, those veteran teams tighten up. Those guys who've been there before tighten up a little bit more. And you know, LeBron always talked about it. Uh, you know, that landing strip or that takeoff strip for the playoffs. So, the, okay. The last twenty games of the year, whatever it is, yeah. is where you need to start. Where you need to start eliminating all those bad habits. So, I look at the next. You know, usually that's how I feel about the, the first month of the season, or the first four, three months of the season. The Cavs have done that. They're 12 games above 500. But this next couple weeks really feels like an opportunity to make some real hay. To really put a couple extra wins in the barn, get get you know, 14, 15 games above 500 by the time uh, March comes along, and not only will you be closer to the number one seed, you just need, you just need to Cushion. When you're young, you just need four, five games cushion between, let's say, where we want the Cavs to be and where they currently are. Because it gets real, and it's going to get real here. A little bit of news to pass along. Uh, We do have the Browns have made a signing. Michael Dwumfor, who is a uh, young defensive tackle. Zero chance you read that accurately. Keith, was I right? Yeah, she got it perfect. All right, well, suck it, Dusty. Michael Dwumfor. Sorry, that was really aggressive. Did Keith give
2: you the heads up on how to pronounce that?
1: He's tried to say it three times and I couldn't get it, so I just read the phonetic off the press release here. Oh, there you go. So we got Dwumfor. Dwumfor? Yep. I guess we can trade for New Copkins now because we got Dwumfor. What's Dwumfor?
2: Isn't he like in Harry Potter?
1: I was going to say.
2: Dumbledore. Oh, Dumbledore. Okay. So-
1: I was gonna all right. <laughs> By the way, really, really funny. Because I was gonna make the lame joke of what's Dwum for, and then I was gonna say banging, and I was like, that's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna sound great right there. No. Uh the NBA trading deadline is Thursday, and the Cavs will be mentioned in a ton of rumors. Mike Fortello and Jeff Phelps help separate the rumors from reality during their new podcast, Basketball Gold. Look for two fresh episodes of Basketball Gold each week at 923thefan.com or on the free Odyssey app, um, it could be a trap, all right? Because as we ask you guys, who are the real Cavaliers, right? And I'm not asking, is it the three wins or the three losses? I'm just asking, like, they are 12 games above 500. Yep, They are a four seed now, and I still don't – maybe it's the inconsistency with effort and focus – I still don't know what I can trust the Cavs to be other than a team that plays really hard on the defensive side of the ball. But, but
2: like, late they game. They do have the best defensive um, efficiency numbers, like, in the East.
1: Mm-hmm. They also have the most double-digit wins, um, which which Keith told me about. And, and then you look at the other side, they also have a pretty awful road record. They also have been up and down. They've not been really good on the second half of back-to-backs, like, You can paint a picture either which way for the Cavs. You can sell me the most positive, optimistic thing. You can sell me the most negative. I'm still somewhere in the middle. I've tried to stay, and I have already. And I just, last week, I violated my own rule about this season. For the first three months of the season, you and I said, I'm not getting too high, low. I'm not getting too low. I'm not doing it. I'm going to try and stay. When we do the Cavs hype panic scale, I try to keep that bad boy at zero. And last week, I totally failed because of who they played and because of how they lost, right? Well, they lost,
2: like, what, three games in the final minute?
1: Mm-hmm. And we we kind of gave each one of those to JB. And well, so, I think or, or, uh, deservedly them,
2: yeah. so. I mean, he, he definitely made some bonehead decisions down the stretch.
1: But, like, you can overcome a young coach. Right, you can overcome a young roster, but if your coach isn't good in the final two minutes of the game, I don't know how much you can actually get better at those things. Right, like especially when you're a team that doesn't have a Kevin Durant or a Jason Tatum right. or a Giannis. And I and people are going to realize, and this is this is why it probably was too early to have any sort of indictment on J.B. last week. Yeah, because in the end, we're going to find out exactly how good of a coach he is. In the playoffs. Because if they get the four seed and you're playing the Knicks or the five seed, or you're playing the Heat, scare the crap out of me, but the Heat and the five seed, they're going to be obvious games where he either keeps you in, helps you win, or makes or his decisions are why you lose. And as of right now, the thing that scares me is those kind of things that we talked about in the Heat game, in the Knicks game, in that first Memphis game. Those are the kind of things that when they happen in the playoffs, they don't just lose you games. And I'm not a big believer in in momentum, Dusty. But I do believe that you can suffer a bad enough loss that it does. The worst loss you can suffer in the playoff, I do think has some sort of momentum. Because it it can hurt your your locker room if you're a young team that hasn't been there before.
2: The first game or first series, what do you mean?
1: No, like if you get into an opening round uh, game and... Let's say it's JB that is. I don't want to say responsible for losing the game, but he has a couple questionable things.
2: Yeah, right now the Cavs will play the
1: Nets, and it's a heartbreaking loss. Or Which would or go, suck. Or God forbid you get blown out. I do not it,
2: want to play Durant the first round.
1: If it's just Durant, yes. If it's, well, it's Durant, Durant and Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent or OG is Ananobi, t- is that what they're talking about? And Ve- Van Vliet, yeah. There's, there's, oh man, there's a talk of Raptors going to sell off two first, Ben Simmons and one other player. For two of their nice young players scares the crap out of me. Yep. But Durant, none of himself. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. Who are the real Cavs? Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for
3: us? Hey, all right. So I was thinking about the schedule thing, too. You know, and it, it goes around. What goes around comes around, right? And I don't. I don't see an issue. I'm not actually like expecting them to go to the finals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you got you got a group of young kids and I and I really don't like the uh the bigger staff like move like to get rid of them mm-hmm. cuz I think he's growing with the team as well as they're growing with him, you know? So at, at, at the end of the day, when Donovan Mitchell you know, went after that cat. You know, because they had they had history together. I, I said I was like, here we go. Now 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 we're 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 backing each other up, and I think it's going to be a good thing. And then what say you?
1: Um. So there's a couple things. I I do think that that Memphis thing can be a clarion call, right? It can be the thing that that unites them. I just think it's too early to tell. And on the JB thing. I don't mean this in a JB isn't a good coach because I think there are tiers of coaches and I think JB does deserve credit for what he's done here. Um, And I think at at the very least, he should earn a reputation as a good NBA coach, whatever that means. I also, if we're talking in May and the only reason the Cavs, or not the only, but the predominant reason you lost a playoff series is going to be your head coach, yeah, I'll be a little pissed. There are a lot of things I'm comfortable losing with. I'm comfortable losing because you're young. I'm comfortable with losing because the roster doesn't fit right. If the same thing that popped up in Miami and in the Knicks game and in the Memphis game, if it's late game tactics, if it's not having the timeout when you need it, if it's um, if it's maybe having the timeout and not using it, if it's having opportunities where you could have drawn up an inbound play and you decided not to, right? if those are the reasons why they don't advance or let's say they advance and they get to the next round and those are the reasons you don't advance against a better team or what a, a more uh, revered team, yeah, I'll be pissed. I'll be really super pissed because in the NBA, windows are finite, man. The NBA, it, it is like quicksand. Uh, you look at how... I mean, literally, Kevin Durant just signed a contract extension. Um, Kyrie and them were talking a contract extension a week before he got dealt. Six days later, he's gone.
2: Things happen fast in the NBA.
1: Well, and and now that's the extreme because, you know, Kyrie's Kyrie and that that whole team was a team of betas. It was constructed and we all knew it was a flawed premise. But, like, I mean even look at where teams were at the beginning of the season, teams that thought they had a chance, and they were looking for when they could make their Donovan Mitchell. Like, Washington felt really good about their chances to take a step forward. They just traded Hachimura. They might trade Bradley Beal. Now, they probably weren't going to be a top-six seed, but they felt like they had momentum. It happens real quick in the NBA. And I just say that to say that doesn't mean J.B. should be fired. But I've already had just enough here where my biggest my biggest concern outside of do they have a guy at that three spot, my biggest concern is, is J, is JB truly developing? Because if that's true, then by the end of this year or in the playoffs, we should see late-game tactician JB get better at those situations. Yeah, and we want to see
2: players get better too. We want to see if, if Isaac Okoro can develop the way Brad Doherty was talking about yesterday on the show, you know? We want to see some of these younger players get better. We want to see the development and growth of Evan Mobley, right? Mm-hmm. We want to see Garland take the next step.
1: Yep. All of them. All of the, all of them. I, and and those that don't probably shouldn't have a – and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, they is a very generic thing. Outside of Garland and Mobley, those who don't take the jump with you are going to be guys that get left behind one way or another. Now, now that there are four seed. Which I really I don't know, and I maybe I'll feel better about this after the deadline. I don't know that the Cavs can stay in a top four seed, and that's an I don't know, not a not a, I'm leaning negative or leaning positive. It's going to be tough.
2: I mean, they're what two games up mm-hmm. on the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. The Heat are, yeah, they're they're five games back.
1: I think I think those two teams are kind it'll of Well, it'll be wild interesting,
2: cars. though. Is, I mean, the Cavs do play the Sixers coming up
1: here. Could they get to, to the three spot? They could. But even then, it'll be a tenuous hold. I, I think there are three apparent best teams, and it's the t- three teams at the top. And I think Cleveland, Brooklyn, Miami, and, and you know what? I'll throw Chicago in there, even though I don't really like Chicago that much. They just have guys that can ball out in the second half in Levine and DeRozan. right. right. If they figure out what they do with the rest of the roster. Um, I think those I think every team outside the top three, the, the teams I just mentioned are the wild cards. And when I say wild card, I mean teams that have the talent or the upside or the experience to make things difficult if you're one of those top three seeds. Doesn't mean they will, but I will say, like, Kind of like when the Cavs reached a top four seed for what I can't remember the exact date they did last year, but they're playing so well. They're playing as a team. We knew they weren't scoring enough, but it was like, well, maybe they'll make the right deadline deal. That's where the hopes for with Karis Levert. I don't want the top four seed to be a trap, though. JB said, "Oh well, you know we're now used to being the hunted." Well, spend like three weeks as a top four seed. Spend like, because I think the farther you get up in the East, I think there's just natural pressure that comes with trying to match and maintain that. And I think back to a team like uh, Atlanta. Atlanta in the Atlanta went all in to just try and improve, so Trey Young wouldn't want to leave. So they
2: weren't in purgatory. Yes,
1: and that meant signing players with kind of limited ceilings, like Bogdanovich, like. John Collins is really good, but like Clint Capella, like guys who are who they are, but they're good NBA players. I think Gallinari was another guy they they made the deal for. You're right about that. And they topped out in the a uh, uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals in in the bubble. And ever since then, the thing has been, well, why haven't they been back? And now that team was was capped by talent because it was Trey Young, the only superstar, and a bunch of really nice players, but not great players. I don't see the Cavs having that same kind of cap. There is a concern about too much too soon with this team. Yep. Right? Because if they were to go to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, we're all going to have the obvious expectations beyond that. As we just talked about the quicksand of the NBA, that doesn't mean that should be the expectations. That's my only concern about a top-four seed and getting a decent path to making a run to like either the second round or third round of the playoffs this year.
2: So you worried about them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals too soon?
1: I mean, no, I'm worried about the expectations that come with it. Okay, I'm worried about how those kind of expectations in a young locker room that's just learning what it means to be the hunted, I think that's the next side. I I think there is, I think in the NBA, you spend so long trying to get successful, and there's a point of I don't want them to start believing that's who they are. It's funny, it was going to start talking about a different jackass, but we have an update on Aaron Rodgers, who today has commented that he's not sure whether he's going to play in 2023. And there seems to be going, this back and forth going on. And I want to read this quote here because I think it leads us to a very important point about Aaron Rodgers. Quote, that's why I think it's going to be important to get through this week and take my isolation retreat and contemplate all things my future. Then he recalled it a darkness retreat for four nights alone. I think sounds like a hell of a time. It sounds like our boys going back on the ayahuasca. No question. And I mean, like, I just one because I we looked into one of my best friends and I would eventually like to do this. And the retreat that Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. Can you pay? Just kidding. Just kidding! I realize I this a how, big ass. How expensive is it? Five thousand dollars a person for a four-night expense. We can come up with that. All right. So, just I'll, one parlay, Nick. Just one par—just the right parlay oh, this right. weekend. One parlay away, baby. And you and me will motto to live by. I'll cancel the 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 cabin weekend with Vanessa, and you, me, and my boy Jeremy go down a Where little. Where do we got go to go? Like
2: South America, Costa Rica, yeah. Costa Rica. Okay.
1: And, that, and by the way, it's not just the canceling of the cabin that would get my wife to leave me. Taking you and one of my best friends to Costa Rica before I took her to Costa Rica probably would be the nail in the coffin of the marriage. But uh, yeah, five thousand dollars. Aaron Rodgers, at this point, I actually okay. The man's a chotch. There's no other way. But I kind of charming
2: or chotch. Aaron Rodgers,
1: very chotch. But I kind of admire like his like he gets made fun of for this stuff and rightfully so. I kind of admire that he just doesn't care and he just puts it out there. Oh, and apparently, um, actually, I might be wrong in the ayahuasca thing because the follow-up tweet says, uh, Roger said he'll be in pitch black all day and night for four days and nights. And then, quote, it's really sensory deprivation, isolation. I is see Jesus? Um, so, I mean, have you ever <laughs> seen the deprivation tanks? I have. Which I, I would like to get into. I've done it. Oh, how great is it?
0: It's uh, it's an interesting experience, that's for sure. Oh, okay. it was cool. It was cool. Were tripping?
1: Right. No,
3: no,
0: no. So you it, know, it, honestly, but doing it, kind of, you kind of get a weird feeling like that.
1: It's weird. Yeah, I've heard. So actually, it's funny because uh, Roger says it stimulates DMT and there can be some hallucinations. Um, that's something I want to get into. But I actually want to do like you know how you can get uh, monthly massage memberships to like uh, Hand and Stone. They're actually. Um, there are companies that actually have tanks that you can do like a monthly membership for, and uh, I've I've really looked into that. Haven't done it yet, excellent, because you know money and stuff like that. But yes, I I uh, yeah. So it's so it's more expensive. like
0: it's not too expensive. You could do
1: it. I'm really cheap. I think we forget that it's part. It's about of it. as much as a massage. Yeah, but I'm also really cheap. I think we really need what to keep are you paying going for massages these days. You guys. Uh, well, what's, what's reasonable for like an hour? Eighty hundred.
2: Yeah, I yeah. about, yeah, that sounds yeah. right, over. Right. Yeah, yeah, if you plus, have the membership,
1: you can get like a membership for like 60 bucks a month plus tip is like probably about 100. Yeah. Okay. What do you pay? About that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So from one jackass to another, Aaron Rodgers to, does, is there anybody out there who likes or respects Juju Smith Schuster?
2: Uh, Likes or respects? I mean, I did until he started doing the crazy dances in the end zone on, on the, like, Logo in the middle of the field.
1: Well, remember, he's the guy that said he said, what "Was it nameless gray faces for the Browns after the 2020 playoffs?" Yeah. um I just think he's 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 in the point where he's more famous for things that he said or done, right? Than actually what he's done. Like there was a time where we thought, "Oh, new new Antonio Brown." New Mike Wallace, new Emmanuel Sanders, yeah, new he was, he was
2: legit one of the best receivers in the game,
1: and he got a one year deal with Kansas City, and I don't think he's going to get much more than that. Now that brings us to the next point, uh, Radio Row last night, which of course they have to move it from the day to the night because what are not Radio Row media availability, media availability, yeah, um, was last night
2: on the West Coast,
1: and uh, yeah, I hate it. But give me the content in the day. I'm not paying attention to that crap at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night.
2: No. Well, here's the thing. You get the content the next morning
1: Yep. on uh, Twitter. Mm, which is exactly how we got our story. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a uh, a strong take about a beloved Philadelphia institution.
0: Honestly, I think the best Philly cheesesteaks are not in Philly, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Philly.
1: <laughs> so how do you feel about that take? So, And I don't know I, what that laugh was either. I heard them making fun I, of today again
2: i lived in philly for a short time mm-hmm. and i've had all the cheesesteaks mm-hmm. and they're really good
1: mm-hmm.
2: but i gotta say i mean i don't know that he's wrong because i just think you can make a good philly cheesesteak anywhere just like buffalo wings like I, you, some of the weirdest places in the world i've had the best buffalo wings mm-hmm. that are better than buffalo <laughs> oh i i don't think
1: you can go back to buffalo now saying that no you can i feel like that's a that's, that's a tougher place to say that than philly with it also philly depen- cheesesteaks it depends on what day of the week and what you know,
2: what sort of order do you get? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had bad Buffalo wings at, at really good places in Buffalo before.
1: I don't know. So when I went to the um, Army-Navy game, it was in Philadelphia. I actually think it's where I met Ross for the first time. It could have been the Super Bowl. I can't remember. Anyways, when I got there, mind you, I was there for for three and a half days. I probably had six Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. I love them. I ordered one for lunch when we landed, and then I was like, later that night, you know, we had done some walking, and I was like, I should probably get another one. I had Pat and Geno's the first two days there. Yeah,
2: they're great. I mean, Tony and Nick's is good, too. Yeah. and Tony
1: that, Luke's. That's, um, Tony Luke's, you mean. No, Tony and Nick's. Is that another one? It's another one. Oh, I never heard of that one. That one sounded more familiar, because I think I had that one. Yeah. Whatever the one you said there. Yeah, it's, it's down
2: by Geno's. Mm-hmm. It's like three blocks away.
1: I just think... So here's the reason why I can't agree with what he's saying cuz he's just a troll. Like right. Cuz like he was right. asked, he was asked, "Can you pro- provide specifics?" He's like, "Well, anywhere that isn't Philly." He
2: was just taking a shot. Yes. I mean, I've had good Philly cheesesteaks in other states. There Helen Akron, I I'm going there tonight, I think. Gasoline mm-hmm. Alley's got a great Philly cheesesteak.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the expectations are higher. Yeah. When you go get a cheesesteak in Philly, of course it is. And, and, and if it, you were to you, get one in Akron.
2: It's like going to New York and getting pizza. I mean, the nostalgia is there, and you already go into it with the mindset, this is going to be the best slice of pie I've ever had, or this is going to be the best cheesesteak I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And when you have that mindset going into it, regardless if it's a crappy Philly cheesesteak, you're going to be like, oh, man, it's really good. Well, because see, you're I, sitting on a bench outside in
1: in the you know downtown Philadelphia. I think for food snobs, it's the, in which I probably am, it's the opposite. Like if somebody says it's gonna be the best Philly cheesesteak you've ever had, it has to be. I would. Here's how I'd put it: I think the overall quality of Philly cheesesteaks, I think, is higher in Philly. Probably so because you have to be good or you're not gonna survive. Versus if I just tooled around Northeast Ohio and went and to get one day, and they are
2: really, really good.
1: It really, and and we get the fries. Uh, I'm just uh,
2: making the point: it's not the only place in the world you can get a Philly cheesesteak.
1: Well, no, you're right, but it's where I think you can probably per capita. You're going to get a better cheesesteak there than if you and I just walked around.
2: I I hear you. My buddy runs a a shop down in Akron, the authentic Philly cheesesteak. It's really good. And they got the recipe straight from Philly.
1: Yesterday it was chili that I couldn't eat. Now now you want to eat Philly Philly cheesesteaks? It's all I want. By the way, do do, do peppers go on Philly cheesesteaks?
2: Does pepper go on Philly cheesesteaks?
1: Peppers. Peppers? Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, they can, yeah.
1: Okay, cause the we, the they ones can. I made of the weekend had peppers. Yeah, they and can. Some know-it-all was like, "Uh, peppers don't go on there," and I needed to crowdsource that on air. I just like my my Philly cheese steak,
2: steak, cheese, um, onions. Always mm-hmm. wit. And you know it, it. The whiz, you like the
1: whiz. That's what that's for. you the gotta get both. Is. You gotta get both. Yeah, I you gotta get, get a whiz, whiz wit or a whiz wit out. Provolone on the bottom I liked, and the whiz. See, on I the like top.
2: provolone over the whiz.
1: I like them both.
3: Really? I've never yeah. done both.
1: Oh, it it takes a second because it's like a. I'm a big. Um, I'm a big person too. But um, textures big for me. Yeah. But once you get used to it, oh, it it really goes there. We should ask Ross Tucker.